Hi, I'm Hayden, and welcome to Skillpoint, the podcast on a mission to level up the recruitment marketing industry. We dig deep into insights, tactics, successes, and failures from leading experts in and outside of the industry. So what are you waiting for? Let's get going. So welcome to episode two of the Skillpoint podcast. Uh, I'm joined by David Ellis, uh, an SEO guru that I've known for about a couple of years now, isn't it, David? We've we've done a little bit, a few bits together. Um, and really for this episode, I really want to dig into SEO for the recruitment industry. And I couldn't think of anyone better to bring on uh, and talk about this. So um, David, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself, introduce yourself, your experience and sort of where you're coming from? Thanks, Aidan. Yeah, I'd love to. And thanks for having me, by the way. I um, really appreciate that. So I've, I've got a bit of a weird background. I actually uh, studied music back in the day. So that's kind of where I had my start. Um, when I wanted to find a job after studying in university and all that kind of stuff, um, I didn't have any idea what I wanted to do. So I think I kind of did what everyone does. And I, I fell into recruitment, essentially. Um, I worked for about six years in recruitment. Um, really enjoyed it. I, I operated mostly in the insurance space. Um, it, it was kind of executive search style of, of recruitment. And then I left that business um, to join a company called PGC, um, who actually are suppliers to the recruitment market. So um, they help businesses who are expanding to the US market and that kind of thing. And so I did three years working with PGC, again, working in the recruitment market, got to meet loads of great recruiters and great companies and great entrepreneurs and, and business people. My role there was, um, I was technically, uh, my job title was director of business development, which kind of says like pretty much nothing. Um, how I describe that role now is like a growth lead. So I was running our marketing and running our sales, um, had a little sales team, little marketing team. Um, and I was there for three years. And um, then I left to set up this business, which I'm running now called Taranga. So I'm founder and CEO, and um, we do SEO for companies. So we're, we're a one service marketing agency, and we've very deliberately decided to just do one service and be masters of one rather than trying to juggle a whole load of different services and offerings and stuff like that. And we really focus in the B2B market. So we work with a lot of consultancies, um, IT companies, and also a number of recruitment companies as well. And that's partly just because of my network and, and background in the recruitment space. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you. Uh, so what, what does Taranga mean? <laughs> it's a great question. So it comes from a West African language called Wolof. Yeah. And um like it's a long story but i went on my honeymoon i went to um, senegal in west africa and i kept hearing this word taranga and basically it's a real it's a really big part of their culture and it kind of means like generosity welcoming hospitality like it's a very um hospitable culture you'll meet people for the first time and they like invite you back to their house for dinner that kind of thing um so i loved the love the concept of the word and i also as soon as i heard it i was like that will brand really well one day. <laughs> and so when I came to name the agency, I didn't have any great ideas. And I was like, oh, I've always thought I'd love to have a company called Taranga. Uh, so that's where it came from. I, I could try to loosely tie it to some SEO thing, but the reality is like there's, there's not much there. Well, yeah, my thoughts were like the generosity side of that. Really, really cool. Love that. Um, do, you, do you think that reflects in your company's values? And if so, mm -hmm. how? Good question. I mean, 
I need to be careful not to be too controversial here, but I, I do think that company values for the most part are kind of a load of nonsense a lot of the time. Ooh, yeah. Because, and I, I, I'm sorry to say it to everyone watching this, but I see this a lot in the recruitment space. Everyone says they're best in class. Everyone says they're ethical. Everyone says they're blah, 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 blah. But I do think generosity is really important. Um, I think just in business, but also in life in general, um, I think it's um, it's a great principle. There's a a good um, a good quote so that's from the Bible actually, yep. um, which says the world of the generous gets larger. Yeah, nice. Which I think I like is that. a really good point. Like the more mm. generous you are, you tend to like your world gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I do think that's really important in the business space. Um, something I'm very passionate about is is finding win 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 situations. Yep. So you know, um, just because you're being generous and you're going above and beyond doesn't mean that you can't also win big, your team can't also win big, and the client can't also win big as well. Um, so maybe there is something there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So so you completely, so when you say, I mean, we're gonna, we'll, we'll crack into SEO in a sec, but um, mm. I, I'm, I want to circle back to the values thing, because obviously I do a lot of branding and values mm. is something that uh, always comes up the purpose motive or where you want to be or what you sort of stand for as a company do you think that is all just fluff or do you think um companies can do it right well i think you're sounds like you're much more of an expert than i am to be honest <laughs> i think what i'm commenting on is what i sometimes see which is you'll get the leadership team get it in a room mm. they think of a bunch of words that they like they chuck them on a whiteboard and on their website and then nothing happens to put it into practice. Yeah. So I think probably what you help businesses with is actually how how to use the values and how to make that part of your brand, yeah. Rather than being an abstract thing that's like outside of your your business and not in your day to day um, of the company. Yeah, and I think you touched on that that quote that I absolutely hate, like you know, best best in the world or something like that, or. Um, class of their own and all stuff like that. It's just hyperbole, isn't it? It just doesn't mean anything. Um, and I think, yeah, I think you're right. If you, if you settle down, if you sit down with the internal team and maybe even outside as clients that you work with and actually dig into um, what you actually stand for as a company, and then you can actually get some genuine ones out there that live and breathe the company. But it is a, it's not something that you just sit down in a, in a meeting on a Friday night before you go and get beers and just say, oh yeah, we're best in class or whatever. It's something that needs to take months and months of, delegation and figuring out in between the lines what you stand for as a company anyway seo let's get into it so <clears throat> we spoke before but i'm very much in the mind that seo is extremely difficult for the recruitment industry i don't know if you would agree for me um but I, the way that i see it you know i've had a bit of experience i'm no massive expert but um the way that seo seems to work is that you're competing really you're competing for that for that position on, on the google rankings and the competition in the recruitment space is people like manpower or adeco and these gigantic businesses or you're going up against the job boards that are just you know they've got buckets and buckets and buckets of money that they're throwing probably internal seo teams out as bringing in external agencies and just the best of the best to be able to beat that um and i think really like how do you get there but um i think the first question i'd like to sort of talk to you about is seo i think there is so much information out there and it's always about whoever's got the best SEO to get that information top of Google. But what, from, from your perspective as a person that's 
you know, boots on the ground, doing the work every day. What does SEO look like now in 2022, but also going into 2023? Because I think it's a different beast to what it was even a few years ago. Mm, Yeah, you're right. You're right. And the thing is, the way that the Google works and the algorithm works is it's constantly updating. And there was an update even just a few months ago, which we might talk about later on. Yes, we will. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, which is called the useful content update. Um, And so the goalposts moving all the time. Um, And so that's good if you're on the pulse, because it means you can get out in front of, you know, in front of the market. Um, And this is something that I see in the recruitment space. I think there's actually quite a lot of opportunity there with the way that the the landscape as a whole is changing and also the way that Google is changing as a whole. I mean, we talk about things like Google for jobs, which is still relatively new. I don't know. It's probably been around two, three years or something like that. Mm. It's not fully utilized in the recruitment sector. And I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, maybe you can like come back to this clip two, three years from now, but I wouldn't be surprised if that um, takes over job boards um, in the next few years, because you can always rely on Google to promote their own tools and their own stuff. Um, and previously where job boards would have really dominated a lot of the search rankings in Google. Now you see Google for jobs at the top and then afterwards you see all the other rankings afterwards. So the, the long story short is it's always changing um, to come back to your question. What's what's SEO like in 2022? It's always changing, but there's sort of fundamental pieces to it. Um, we like to see it in four different parts. We call it the four levers of SEO. By that, we mean there's sort of four buckets of activity or four levers you can pull that are going to get you results. And ultimately, just to, this might sound really obvious, but the results we want are we want to rank on page one, we want to get more traffic, and obviously we want to generate revenue. So whether that's candidates or clients, or that's what we want. So there's four levers in order to do that. You've got the technical health of the website so you know a lot of this happens on the back end of the website it's things like how quickly does it load um what are the page health scores um are there any broken links are your images optimized properly that kind of thing so it's a lot of it's on the back end not particularly exciting but it does have a big impact you've got on-site optimization and by that we mean have you got all the right pages in place like have you got a good layout a good structure And then are those pages optimized around keywords? Third lever is content writing. So blogs, guides, articles, stuff like that. And the fourth lever is what we call link building. So just to really, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors around link building. And it's, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a wild west out there, but to sort of oversimplify it, basically Google makes the determination of how, how much authority your website has. And generally speaking, websites with a higher authority are going to rank higher in the SERPs, the search engine results page. Um, And the way that they determine that is they look around the the whole rest of the internet and they say, how many links are pointing back to your website? And generally speaking, the more links from better places, the higher your domain authority. So you can utilize methods to build up more links, which builds up your domain authority, which helps you with the rankings. So those are always kind of the four elements. And then within that, things are changing quite a lot on a daily basis. But I think that just helps to really simplify what can often sound like a quite mystical and like abstract thing. It's always going to be in one of those four areas. Yeah, I think yeah, 
I completely agree with you on that. It's um, and it, and they all need attention, don't they? You can't just focus on one of them. Um, so if if a recruitment agency wanted to attempt SEO and they wanted to improve it, um, uh, you know, is it better for them to try and do it themselves, or do you think um, bringing in a specialist agency is the way to go? Mm, well. Obviously, I run an, ag- an agency, so I'm a little bit... It's a bit of a loaded question, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but as a business owner myself, I mean, there, there are certain things that we want to do in-house, and there are certain things that we want to outsource. Um, and there's been a number of things that are highly specialised that we've decided to outsource. And then there are things that are a little bit more generic and we've been able to wrap our heads around that we want to do in-house. So, I mean, it, it depends on your budget. It depends on your your capacity for for learning and stuff i think the real benefit of outsourcing is is just that speed because if you're going to try and figure it out on your own you know is it going to take twice the amount of time it's going to take three times the amount of time and in seo that might mean it takes three years (laughs) to see results um, rather than six months Um, so it's yeah i think there's some advantages to, to outsourcing it um and I guess this isn't directly answering your question, but I do think it's worth taking a bit of time to talk about who should actually be doing SEO yeah, um, and who shouldn't be bothering at this point. Um, so for me, like if you need revenue leads today and you need that really quick flip over in, in revenue to go from you know the spend that you're putting into a marketing channel to getting revenue back, it's not the quickest. So you can look at, know you're the expert in recruitment marketing but you can look at whether it's outreach or advertising or any of the other methods that you you guys talk about but if you're able to think long term you know you have that product market fit you have that um that market message that's resonating well that's where seo is a really good channel because in six months or 12 months or 18 months you'll be in a really really good position and the, the hardest bit is building up that momentum but once you have the momentum, it, it compounds. So it gets better and better and better with time. Um, quite similar to pretty much any sort of content marketing inbound type of a channel, which I know you guys are, are big fans of. Yeah, I, th- I think that is an issue that plagues a lot of uh, agencies, that short-termism, thinking, how can I get immediate results? Whereas actually, you know, you can do something like that, but you definitely need something like SEO as a back burner. Um, uh, and I was wondering, you know, I had a little laugh to myself a minute ago. I was wondering how long it would for you to say SEO's favourite motto. It depends. Because <laughs> every SEO says that. <laughs> it didn't take too long. I think we're like 10 minutes in. <laughs> it does. Yeah, yeah, it all depends, doesn't it? Depends. Um, so, so from your opinion, do you think, um, you know, SEO does have a place in the recruitment industry? I know you mentioned Google for Jobs. I actually think that you know because being in this in this industry i think that's been around since you know i started um recruitment like six years ago or something it's always been something that they've played with right. and do you think they're really starting to are you seeing a bit more of a push in in that and then also on that google for jobs there's, there's, you still get the job boards in google for jobs don't you so it's mm-hmm. uh, how do you compete with that and another question is like if you've got your jobs on a job board but you've also got them on your website are they going to compete with each other 
All really good questions. <laughs> Where do I start? Unpack that. Unpack that. <laughs> what do you want to start with? Just Google for jobs in general? Yeah, let's talk about Google for jobs, what you're seeing. Um, mm. Because I know you work in recruitment agencies and yeah. maybe explain it a little bit more as well, because I'm sure some it's very mystical. Um, for me, I, you know, I've played with it a little bit, but from my understanding, mm. it's optimizing the schema, right? I'm sure there's probably a lot more now, isn't there? That's a big part of it. That is a big part of it. So just to bring people up to speed. So schema is essentially it's code that you put on the sort of back end of the, the, the website for one of a better word, for a better term, which makes it easier for Google to crawl the page and then it can pull the results into the Google for jobs section. So the way to think about it is Google for jobs is just like a mini version of the Google global search. So what, how Google works is, just really basic terms, is they have crawlers that crawl the whole internet all the time, pulling back all loads and loads of data. And then the algorithm collates it and organizes it in a way that you want it to be organized. That's kind of it in a, you know, the, the long story short. Obviously, it's a lot more complicated than that, but that's <laughs> in basic terms. The Google for jobs is just the jobs version of that. So it's scouring the whole internet looking for jobs, including job boards, including websites, including et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so the way to win at Google for jobs is basically to make sure that the jobs on your website are optimized properly. So they have the right structure. They have the schema markup that we talked about. Um, you know, there's various aspects to it. It's actually not as complicated as people think, mm. but we've you know all, of all of the recruiters that we've worked with none of them have been doing this already yeah um yeah. so it's a huge opportunity and it's very low-hanging fruit mm, absolutely and Perfect. to come back to your point about the job boards yes google is going to over time this is a prediction will favor the um the results directly from recruiters websites rather than the job boards is, is my prediction do you think Google has that kind of um, way of doing things, giving the, the little person a chance rather than the big guys swallowing up everything? Um, I think it's probably because in the future they'll be charging. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think so? Do you think it'll be because there is no way paid ads Google functionality yet, is there? I don't think that that's actually a really good question. I don't know for 100% certainty, but there will be. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool, fantastic. Um, so let's let's move on to uh, the latest Google for update that you mentioned. Um, it's changing the market, I think. Um, I'm, you know, very not not super au fait with it. I've done a little bit of research, but from I'm sure you're implementing all this across all your your client sites and maybe seen drop in rankings or had to change things. So, do you want to talk us through it and what it means, and give the uh, give the whole sort of breakdown of what it means now? Yeah, absolutely. So Google does algorithm algorithm updates all the time. And then occasionally they'll make a big announcement about a big one. So that's what this was. It was called something like the useful content update, something like that. And I won't go into all of the details, but but broadly speaking, over time, Google has become the algorithm and the crawlers have become better and better at finding content that's that's really valuable. So actual, useful, interesting, valuable content. So historically, 
you could just throw up a, a blog post, chuck as many keywords as you can in there, shove them in, and you can guarantee that that would rank. You sort of trick Google into ranking. Now, over time, it's getting harder and harder and harder to do that. And what Google is now optimizing for, which is what it's always trying to be trying to optimize for, is the actual value. So again, I think it's really important to take a step back and just think about these things in kind of first principles, which is what does Google want? Google wants really high um, value content for the customer because all they care about is their customer experience, customer being the person who's searching in Google. So they don't want a bunch of spammy pieces of content that aren't actually useful. They want stuff that, that people read and love and you know um, actually brings them a lot of value. So in terms of our workflow and how we work, it actually hasn't changed that at all because we've always written, like content writing is a huge part of what we do as an agency, specifically for SEO. And we've always written it to be as value and based and interesting as possible and well-written and kind of research backed. So we spend a lot of time researching the pieces that we write and, and going into a lot of detail in each, in each piece um, because we knew that long-term that's always gonna win. You know, value-based stuff is always gonna win long-term. So it actually hasn't changed much how we kind of go about writing content, but I do know of a lot of people who who had previously gone for more of a sort of volume-based approach, just churning out as much, you know, as many blogs as possible, chucking as many keywords in there as possible, but not there being no real substance behind it. And do you, and do you think, sorry, do you think this is... Um to fight AI written blogs as well that have just made, just exploded out of nowhere, haven't they? Could be partly. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Um, could, could definitely be partly that as well. Um, I definitely know there's been a lot of people that have been hit, hit by the update. It's, it's seen a drop in rankings. So another question I've got for you is how does Google perceive value? <laughs> Good question. Um, well, there's going to be, I mean, you, I'm, I'm getting out of the uh, territory that I understand well at this point, <laughs> but this is how I would think about it, which is there's, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of ranking factors. And so the perception of value is going to be on the basis of how many people are linking back to this article. When people go through to the article, how long do they stay on it? Uh, how often is it shared? Um, how often is it cited or quoted elsewhere? Um, so my, I would guess it's factors like that, but it's quite difficult to tell. They do keep pretty much everything under wraps in terms of like how they actually do what they do. Um, but that sort of stuff would would be my guess. Yeah, fantastic. Perfect. I think, yeah, I think it's an interesting one, isn't it? And I, and I like how you've stuck to your guns and not thought let's find shortcuts let's actually stick to the way that google always intended for us to do seo in the first place and actually i think the crux of seo sometimes just goes down to like what is what gives the most benefit to someone visiting that website and then the sort mm -hmm. of the benefits come let's stop trying to game the system and let's actually just do things right and make a better experience for anyone that comes on the website i completely <laughs> agree yeah i completely agree i mean it's it's there's sort of two aspects to it, making sure that people have a great experience. And then the other part, which is often a lot of what we're helping companies do is 
structuring the website in a way that's very easy for Google to understand what what you do, who it's for, etc. So like there's sort of two sides to that. One, you want your customers to hit your website and know what problem you're solving and, and who, the, who the website is targeted at. But secondly, Google needs to know that as well. And if, if Google can't figure out what your website is about and who it's for, and you haven't structured it in a way that makes it easy for the crawlers to understand, then it's not going to go through the bother of, of ranking it and putting it in front of people. Yeah, perfect. Um, if someone came to you, you know, if someone's in the thought process of recruitment marketer, a director and thinking, I need SEO, there's something I've always been thinking about, um, you know, what questions should they be asking themselves or what should, things should they be having meetings around um, to sort of get the ball rolling, um, get things in place? Hmm. Well, I mean, speak with some experts, like get some get some opinions. Um, ideally, people who can give you kind of a, a frank perspective on whether, whether like what the upside opportunity is. Because um, you can do research around what your competitors are doing, um, what sort of keywords you'd like to target, that sort of thing. Um, I always say to people, like, if you're not prepared to commit at least six to 12 months to SEO, then there's not a whole lot of point in really starting to be honest with you. Um, you know, if you do it for a year, you'll be very happy. You know, your, your future self will thank your past self that you, you started. Um, because everyone always says to us, like, I wish we'd have started this sooner. Um, but you know, it just depends on the stage of, of where you're at in, in your business. Um, and whether you have the appetite for that sort of long-term growth. And we, we talk about it you know, it's it's an asset. You know, if you, if if you build up SEO momentum for your website, then that's an asset for you long into the future. Even if you stop doing any sort of additional proactive work, it's going to continue to generate you revenue and leads and candidates long into the future. Even if you stopped kind of dead, um, so that's the way that we we like to try and help people think about it. Yeah, fantastic. So, yeah, I think. I think we've covered SEO. I think you've convinced me. Uh, there, is, <laughs> there is a place for it, um, which is great. Which is great. I always thought there was a place for it, but I think you know, if if we can beat beat the the large companies and and these smaller agencies have a have a chance to um, succeed. Um, one last question is: Do you think um, these smaller agencies are there opportunities for them to come in and find potentially search terms or um, opportunities that may not be covered by the big companies um and what do you think those would be from your from your because i know that is a big part of seo isn't it finding the finding the smaller terms maybe the ones that don't have as much traffic but you can rank with them very quickly yeah it's exactly that spot on mate um so it's and we work on this is not just a recruitment specific thing this is the same in in all industries you know we work with some it service providers for example Obviously, that's a very competitive market. There's some huge players. And so it just comes down to being strategic with the keywords that you choose to target. You know, are you going to be able to rank on page one for tech recruitment company? Probably not. But you'll almost definitely be able to rank on page one for, you know, if you have a specific software that you recruit for, uh, Salesforce or whatever, or um, in a location, like a specific location. Or just things that will um, you just the more the more niche you can be, the more likely you are to be able to rank. Um, mm -hmm. 
and obviously a big part of our job is to is to find keywords that strategically make sense for you to try and rank for as well um but broadly speaking you want to make sure that people are actually searching for it so there's got to be some search volume there it can't be too competitive and we can analyze how competitive a keyword is and then obviously it's got to be relevant as well because no sense in picking a keyword getting people come to your website if it's not if it's not relevant to you but there's definitely the the challenge with seo is like the nature of it is it's quite winner takes all so if you're not on page one you're not going to get much traffic from that so it's about being strategic and um looking for that low-hanging fruit and the opportunities and then over time once you build up more momentum you have a higher domain authority that's when you can start going for those sort of bigger wins the tech recruitment company or whatever whatever the term is yeah fantastic um and I, I love you know when I'm whatever discipline in marketing it is um I love how it's all interconnected in some way so you saying to niche down is something that a lot of consultants and marketing professionals will teach anyway for just uh finding and doing business development that you need to niche your recruitment offering a little bit further into specialist like workday or something like that or whatever um so it's nice to see that if you also had the seo with there as, as well you're going to win that way and then you can do more custom things like podcasts or marketing activities events stuff like that and the more that you niche the more you can create a close community of people that just um just get you and then the more that the clients that you work with will think actually he's an expert in that exact role that i need it for um and then you can just build a talent pool that way so perfect love it i love it i love how it's all interconnected it's great isn't it the more you look into it the more it's all just dots everywhere and you just bring it all together yeah completely agree <laughs> uh, one thing i really want to talk to you about is your agency is completely remote mm -hmm. and i think with the way that you know post pandemic and there's a lot of um you know push for flexibility and more of a remote workforce um you do have the other side that want everyone in the office mm -hmm. personally i think that's completely wrong um but for, for the companies that are wanting to try it out and wanting to create more unique and sort of um hybrid team how do you make it work hmm. yeah it's funny isn't it i mean any issue that you see like in society in general especially on social media you've got your people that are really hard one way, like everyone has to be in the office. And then you've got your really hard the other way, which is that if anyone's not working remotely, then they're evil and like they don't care about their staff. And I, as with anything, the truth is somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Um, there's pros and cons to, to being fully remote. Um, you know, obviously for us, we don't have overheads that, we you know, we don't have to pay for offices or that sort of thing um and we get to tap into great talent all over the world so i mean we have a team of about nine people at the moment uh six are full-time and then we have a couple of freelancers that we work with on a project by project basis we're now in five or six different time zones wow. so that's again that you can see that as a strength or a weakness it means we can obviously be working almost 24 7 but um you know it's harder to arrange a, a team stand up for example like an all, all hands <laughs> um because you've got to coordinate with um you know one of our team who's in south america and then we have someone else who's in in asia so it's trying to coordinate those two ends of the spectrum of the time zone yeah. um so yeah there, there are pros and cons to it um there are pros and cons to it I, i'm a big fan um in general um 
And then what was the second question was like, how, how do we make it work? Yeah. How do you make it work? I mean, you're bringing up some um, pushback, like, is there like a, it just sounds like potentially there's like a two hour slot that everyone can sort of get together in the time zones where they all, where the, 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 the stars align <laughs> and you could all talk. Yeah. Um, how do you get like around that, for example, is it a lot of instant messaging? Is it, you know, projects, things like that? Yeah. 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 So we aren't, to be fair, most of the team are in Europe, which helps. So we're mostly like a few hours apart. Um, and then there's people at kind of other end, either ends of the spectrum. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm quite a big fan of asynchronous work, meaning, you know, you can communicate and work at different times um, rather than being in the same building or in the same room working together. And obviously with all the technology that we have nowadays, um, I mean, we we use Slack. So you've got the, the chat, you've got voice notes, you've got, you know, Loom videos and stuff like that. So you can share a lot of information without having to be in the same room with someone, which which can help. Um, we're very organized about sort of project management and stuff like that. Again, you have to be like this in an agency. Um, we, we work with about 25 clients at a time. Um, and so, you know, that's a lot of projects on the go at one time. So we have to be super organized about how we how we manage that. We're actually just in the process. It's quite a painful process. We're just moving from one project management tool to another project management tool. Um, long story, but um, that's incredibly important to us to have a good workflow and a good methodology. And then it's, I think it's partly just about having the right people in your team. Um, I mean, we don't, tell people when they should work we don't tell people where they should work from we barely tell them how they should work like we give them all the tools and stuff that they need but i think if you're hiring great people and then you're just empowering them and supporting them and giving everything they need then that's worked really well for us and and people have always over delivered like over and above what we kind of expect yeah i think i think we're we're one of those us as a company we're one of those centered ones like you can come into the office. You've got a space if you don't like working at home. Mm-hmm. But you can work at home as well. And I think it, it, the the fundamental thing of it is it's just trust. I trust you to do your work, and then you trust me to treat you well and be able to give you the autonomy to work whenever makes makes you feel like you're the most productive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they can slot in whenever they need to, and they need to go to doctors or go and um, vets or whatever, they, they can just shoot off and go and do that or just spend a bit more time with their family because there's going to be different times in the day when you're more productive at, at some particular point. So I think at the end of the day, it's even from recruitment to agencies like us, it's all output focused. So mm-hmm. if someone's got all that autonomy and the work's not getting done, then the conversation happens, doesn't it? Like what can, why isn't the work getting done? What can we do to make it better? Um, mm. And I think it's just the trust, I think, and a lot. It's, it's a shame that a lot of companies don't trust their employees. Uh, there's obviously something fundamentally broken, um, either from the management or the or the people in the team to not make that happen. Mm. Um, I know we're, we're kind of getting a bit close on time now. I, I would just like to, you know, I was really impressed when we worked with you, if you're, and you spoke about it as well, your project management. How do you, because Anna, with a completely remote company, that's something that you've got to be really shit hot with to be able to make that work from your you know just some quick tips to keep your business productive keep everything on so i'm sure you probably have many meetings about it all the time you know what what would you say is the fundamental pillars to keeping a a productive business going Mm. good question 
Um, I mean, there's there's quite a few ways to answer that, isn't there? Um, yeah, I think you've already touched on a number of them, which is having you know good communication, good workflows, good project management, good tools and and softwares and stuff like that. But I think again, to sort of step back, sort of first principles kind of print thinking. I mean, I think for me, one really key productivity principle is is keeping the main thing the main thing. And um, there's a great book about this called The One Thing. Um, you almost don't have to read the book. Like once you know the title, it kind of that's the whole book, really. But the point of it is, is you, there there should be one thing in your business that um, if you can complete that, it makes everything else easier or unnecessary. And so I think where people get really unproductive is when they try and do lots of different things at at the same time. Um, and so for me, I mean, I personally love. Um, you know, I get up really early. Um, typically, I, I, I'm very focused and productive in the first few hours of the day when I'm not getting distracted. So I think that's my time to like work on my one thing. Um, and then I kind of have this sense of, right, I've done a few hours work on that. The whole rest of the day is probably going to be meetings and team check-ins and check-ins with clients and sales staff, etc. But so long as I've done that, like that big thing, which is moving the company forward, then I feel much more happy for the rest of the day. So that's kind of how my mind works. I think I think that deep work principle, you know, distraction-free work is really important. My belief is that it's really rare in the workplace today for people to be able to just sit and focus on one thing without getting distracted. And I think if you can cultivate that as a um as a skill set in you as a person, but also in this in the people in your team, um, I think it's kind of a superpower, like to be able to just ignore all distractions, turn everything else off, and just do that really important thing that needs to get done. Um, so, not saying anything new, but uh, I think that's a big thing that helps me a lot. It's it's hard though, isn't it? It's I know you're saying you're not saying anything new, but I think some people just need to be reminded that those deep work that sessions like you know, there's a really good book isn't there called deep work that i, mm. I live and breathe by it is setting the non-negotiable blocks of time where you, you will get the most important thing eating the frog or whatever get it done because that's going to make the rest of the day easier and you can focus on the meetings and things like that fantastic um quick one uh answer this one as quick as possible because i'm just really interested in what you want to say and it was a question mm. we put down what do you think the future of the recruitment industry is going to look like <laughs> That's a tough one. I mean, I, 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 I'm not. Are you SEO spin on as it? You. <laughs> My SEO spin, yeah. Well, it's going to all be about Google for jobs, and uh, <laughs> that's the only thing that. No, I, I don't know actually. I don't know. I've, I've been. I was really close to the recruitment industry for like nine, ten years, mm. and then I haven't be, been for the last year or so. I mean, what do you think is the future of the recruitment industry? Oh, turning around on me. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's a good one. I don't think it's really going anywhere. I think people are always going to be needed, aren't they? Um, I yeah. think there is always going to need to be that middleman because there are, you know, really switched on people that just turn off to things or they're, they're in their job, just getting on with the work. So being able to have someone to be able to pull the talent around and make industries a better place, I think um, it's, I don't know, there's probably plays with um, AI blockchain, I think maybe removing cvs and having you know your past experience on the blockchain i think 
And I think there are some cool companies starting to experiment with that. Um, mm. But yeah, it's it's an interesting place, isn't it? I think, and I think it's it's not going anywhere. I think it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, do, do you do you think that the CV is still that relevant today? I mean, when we hire, I never ask for anyone's CV. Yeah, yeah, and I'd, I do you know what I was at an event yesterday that basically said been off the CV because it's it's there's a bunch of things to it, but mostly it's. Um, the CV, you can just, it's its too much of a um, uninclusive way to hire someone and you can just judge someone immediately from something that might not be fully indicative of who they are. And that they were saying that it's, it's really, it's a really difficult thing for anyone to do is writing a CV. It's, it's counterintuitive to who you are as a person. You don't want to boast too much or you don't want to be too humble and it's trying to find that. And it just doesn't seem like a good way. Um, this company was, that were talking there, they did a really good way of, it was kind of like a two pager and it was more about the person and there were no dates on there and projects that they assisted in and their expertise. And that just makes it a lot better. And it takes away that, um, it makes it a little bit more inclusive to people that sort of applying for the roles. So yeah, I know I, I don't think, but then on the flip side, it's, you know, it's very much embedded in the public services sector. It's very much just part of the zeitgeist, isn't it? So trying to disrupt that is a difficult thing. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> um i think we'll finish off with a few uh quick fire questions um yeah what's your favorite brand of cereal curiously cinnamon oh, watch out that is a really good brand of cereal yeah that is a good i don't one. buy it because i would just like i could eat that by the whole box, box. yeah yeah, easy. <laughs> yeah absolutely um we kind of touched on this but what is your best productivity method you know how do you stay productive yeah um one thing and uh the the deep work yeah deep work fantastic uh your favorite movie I, i'm quite sad i don't watch a lot of movies I, i'm uh, i'm just not a very uh cool person um that one of my favorites is called lucky number 11. oh yeah that's a good one yeah i've seen that yeah yeah, which yeah. Is, I, I like movies like that they have a lot of like plot twists you don't quite know what's happening yeah um, that, that they kind of get you thinking that's my vibe great great um what company do you think does uh branding slash marketing the best that's a good one um i did see this question before sorry to like break the illusion to anyone uh, who's watching this <laughs> i saw this question before and there's obviously a bunch of obvious like companies that you could answer with but one that i've seen recently that i really like is um they're called oh no i forgot what they're called um butternut box right so it's a it's dog food so we have it for our dog and they deliver a box of food basically you put it in the freezer then you take it out and and, and like he absolutely loves it but just everything about the way they do their branding and marketing is just excellent everything from the the box itself like the cardboard box has a load of great like little sort of jokes about dogs and like funny little things on it the little packets are all really well designed they've all got like really interesting names um even the way you know there was a thing the other day where their freezer had broken or something and um they sent out this like mass email saying like really sorry that your food's not going to arrive on time but even and i don't know if you agree with me on this like the way that that was written was just so excellent um that for me that's branding 
you know, how do you communicate with your customers? What does what's your packaging look like? What's your onboarding process, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, so, more than um, logo and colors. Totally. So I was really impressed by by them actually. Oh, fantastic. I'll check those out. I haven't heard of them. Um and last one, I know you're a very well traveled man, David. So if you could live anywhere else in the world, where would it be? Yeah, I love traveling and there's loads of places all over the world that I would live. It depends on the context. Um, I love Asia, so I'd love to live in like maybe Singapore or um, probably not Hong Kong at the moment, but like previously Hong Kong. Um, also, some parts of Europe are great. I mean, I think like Italy, for example, is basically paradise. Yeah, yeah, it really is, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> uh, especially like the Amalfi Coast kind of area. But I don't know if I'd want to live there. Um, I'm a big fan of Lisbon um, as a city. So probably if I was going to pick like a city to live in, it would probably be probably be Lisbon just on the fact that it's relatively close to home. It's, you know, cosmopolitan. There's a lot of cool stuff there. Um, really compared to London anyway, um, a lot cheaper. But having said all of that, I should finish by saying I do think London is the best city in the world. So Ooh, that yeah. is why I live here. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, thank you, David. Uh, really enjoyed talking to you. I think we got some really good value out of that. Um, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, talk to you, are they able to? Do you, would you mind that? And how how best should they contact you? Are you are you off limits? <laughs> no. Yeah. I'd always welcome a chat. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. So just David Ellis Taranga, um, or you can just Google search Taranga Digital Marketing. Fantastic. Thank you so much, David. Really appreciate it. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me.